0: What is going on, everybody, we are ready to jump into our episode about grief and loss with the lovely Doug Smith. But first, a couple of things. Make sure you visit www.itbeginstoday.org, read the blog post, find out podcast episode information, and keep that discussion on mental health journeys going. As always, if you are interested in writing or being on the podcast or have any other questions or feedback, feel free to contact us through the website or me directly at kyle at itbeginstoday.org. And don't forget, every month, we will be making donations to further the cause of mental health awareness. For the month of March, we have partnered with a local therapy clinic to donate money to the office to pay for therapy sessions for clients who are struggling to pay or would otherwise not be able to participate in therapy. You can donate through the website's Donate Now button where all of the money collected through that link will go towards this endeavor. So visit the website, make a difference in someone's world. We love you all. And now, Doug Smith. Welcome into It Begins Today. This is the podcast here, and we are talking all things mental health today's today's a special day this is a day that doesn't happen very often i i have some guests who came down my way and they don't make it down this way very often anymore um when i hang out with these guys i am usually heading up to their place so today they braved the weather braved the roads and they came my way which i am flattered about and Full of jubilation to have them here. We had a wonderful dinner and uh, now we're ready to talk. And, and the show today, this episode um, is one I've been looking forward to. And just like last week, this is one where when you start putting together an idea for a website in a, in a mental health community like this, there's people that automatically jump to your mind. And for me, today's guest who we're going to talk with. Um, is one of those people, uh, Doug Smith is joining us now. Doug has been a friend of mine for a long time. Um, we've known each other for, for gosh, 12 or 13 years, I think. Um, and over the last decade, uh, Doug Smith, he, he's lost, he's experienced some loss in his life. Um, Doug's lost a son to an avalanche, a son to a heart attack and a wife to a stroke. Um, Grief and loss are are something that Doug has he's he's run the gamut um, and he's experienced a lot of that And those two things, grief and loss. Those are major factors of mental health, major factors of mental illness um, and and they they play a role in all of that. And grief and loss are something that are going to be a part of everybody's journey No matter who you are, no matter where you are at on your journey, you will experience grief and loss. Um, And Doug's certainly experienced a lot of that over the last decade. And now he's got a ton of useful techniques um, that he believes uh, tie into mental health um, because those two grief and loss are, are so related to mental health. So, without further ado, welcome to my dear friend Doug Smith. Hey Doug. Hi Kyle. How are you? Fine. How was Good. the drive anyway? Bad roads? You know,
1: not bad today. Uh the snow has passed. So,
0: so it wasn't too bad out there. You were driving?
1: Uh yes, I was and uh the commuter traffic was actually reasonable. So, all is well.
0: Good. Good. And we have someone else in the room, Doug, but he didn't want to jump on a microphone. That's our buddy Danny.
1: Danny has been a business partner and a good friend for 25 years, actually 45 years. 25 years as business partners. Okay,
0: good. Well, we love Danny, and he's here in the room, but he didn't want to get on a microphone, even though we tried very hard to get him to to jump on the air. But Danny passed on that, Doug.
1: Well, I guess it's up to you and me tonight. And we can carry it. I want to say he's been a tremendous, wonderful, supportive friend over the years and through a lot of things that I've been through and experienced he's been just a tremendous strength so I'm grateful
0: he yeah definitely Danny's one of those when you when you go through stuff when you go through loss or tragedy in your life you what happens is you you will find yourself um you know w- w- where you're trying to strain out you know, the, the garbage and see what's left in your bowl, right. In your strainer. And we do that with people as well in our lives. I think especially when, when shit hits the fan and, and starts going crazy and Danny's one of those who ends up staying in the bowl after you've strained out all the garbage. He's that, he's that kind of guy, isn't he?
1: He was born a peacemaker and He's a baby Buddhist, so I'm envious that uh, he always is centered and peaceful and a wonderful influence.
0: But he's not on a microphone, so instead we have two uncentered and (laughs) non-peaceful people ready to go, right? (laughs) Speak for yourself. (laughs) Now, Doug, you and I have known each other a long time. I I think I said 12, maybe 13 years. Yes. And we first met um, through corporate events and, um, working, um, you worked for a few vendors that, um, my team and I had used in, in my last job. Um, and then we ended up working together for about a year with a, with a different company. So, um, you know, we've, we've known each other a long time. Um, I would say in the last few years though, um, that's kind of when we started to really kind of Come together more as friends and and hang out frequently and talk frequently and take an interest in, in each other's lives. Um, yes. And and you and and Danny are certainly two people for me. When when all my stuff started going to shit, um, you know, two people that I knew I could count on for sure. I kind of set it up, Doug, when we when we got going here that we're gonna talk about grief and loss, right? And and you, um, as you've said yourself, you're, you're kind of a, a self-described expert on the topic of grief and loss. So, so maybe let's start there. Tell us, how has grief kind of come into your life and, and how has it shaped who you are?
1: Well, with the death of two children, uh, about six years apart and a very prolonged, um, death experience, four years, uh, with my wife following a stroke and paralysis and daily care and so on. Um, I ended up losing, uh, with her death, all of my savings, retirement, equity in a home virtually started over at age 59. Um, that wasn't easy, but I decided that, you know what? people have worse things in life and you'll push through this Um, loss and grief that you go through with death. Um, it's a journey. And after you've gone through your first one, you realize that it helped strengthen you and helped you understand expectations with the next one and the next one, but still it's not easy. And there are many people out there, your listeners who, um, perhaps are in situations they're in right now uh, with mental health issues due to the loss of children, spouses, um, people who are dear to them, and um, I have great empathy for people who uh, are in various states of mental health due to uh, grief and losses. And I wanted to also talk on um, grief does not just come from death. There can be a lot of things, a lot of losses in our lives that can cause um, grief, which in turn, I believe, can affect our mental health and our emotional health. And all of these things can cause us to go through um, those stages of grief that uh, Kubler and Ross established decades ago, the five steps of grieving that I think many now have um, turned into seven steps. Uh, but nonetheless, there are definite steps we go through.
0: Last week, we we spoke with um, a, a friend of mine named Neil Warner. He's an author of a book called My Own Prison. And in this book, he discusses that basically everyone we run into and that we meet is suffering from some type of imprisonment within their head, right. Or within their mind that we often think it's people up at the point of the mountain, right. Or at a state penitentiary or whatever. Um, but it, but it goes beyond that where we, we're all kind of walking around in these own prisons that we have going on that are keeping us, um, quote unquote, incarcerated for lack of a better term. Um, how, uh, when you look at those causes of grief and those causes of loss, what does that do for you then when you're out? Cause this is a theme I I like to hit on a lot. There's there isn't anybody you're gonna interact with who's not going through something. Yeah. Right. And that list that you just shared with us is proof of that. I mean, that's a thousand reasons for grief and loss and can be applied to anybody in any store anywhere, right, that you run yeah. into. So how does, how does that then impact how you interact with people?
1: Well, I have found uh, that here's something I believe in. When we have been wounded, we are more perceptive to the wounded in life. And because of that, it can help you have more sympathy and or empathy for people. And um, I have found over the years that while humor in daily life has been a wonderful technique to um, help you have better emotional mental health, finding humor, that after you've had some hard losses, you also, for the rest of your life, There are certain things you don't find funny anymore and it's kind of this back and forth balance thing i remember when my uh, youngest son was buried in an avalanche and died and the really raw hard weeks afterward that you obviously missed him you were still trying to deal with the reality that you'd never see him and so on but a well-meaning neighbor had handed me a small book um, as many people do and you know, they do their best to try and comfort and help, but you're not in the mood to read. You can't even concentrate. And I started reading this book, and there was one thing in the foreword of the book um, that hit me squarely that i have never forgotten, and it's that uh, this concept that when we allow loss, losses in life, to define who we are, In other words, become our narrative of who we are, what we are. Sure. When you allow loss to be your narrative, you lose. And I've decided that that is an absolute truism.
0: Sure. Sure. What was Doug Smith's mental health and state of mind like prior to losing either of your sons or your wife at the time?
1: Well, it's odd you'd bring that up because it wasn't maybe a year before i remember a day i was driving down the freeway thinking wow we're a family of seven how lucky are we that we haven't had one tragedy and then all of a sudden for the next decade you know about every two or three years we had some really hard stuff and um in the end most of our family it has made stronger um and more resilient but some of the family it has not and um, they have chosen different ways to deal with it some that aren't so healthy and so that compared to now i can honestly say i'm a much stronger individual having gone through these things and it has helped me um Conversely, to be more empathetic for other people that you pass every day on the sidewalk, like you say, who are dealing with all kinds of losses, uh, which I believe ultimately figure into mental and emotional health and well-being. And um, some people deal well with it and others spiral down into all kinds of compulsions, addictions, um that are hard to climb out of
0: so you say you you, i love that phrase and that that idea that when um loss becomes your narrative you lose ultimately devil's advocate though what how do you not let it become your narrative how do you not let that loss and that grief just destroy your your mental health and become this narrative i I've got three children, and the idea of of losing one of them now when they're young or when they're an adult like what what you experienced is crushing and and i I don't know that I could not let that become the narrative so so tell me two things certainly you had to have had moments where it was the narrative and where you just did not feel like you were gonna crawl out of that of course and secondly, how then does someone do that? And how do they not let it destroy them from a mental health standpoint?
1: Well, in death, for example, but I believe in most losses, it takes time. And uh, I found that just saying this too shall pass, somehow that helped me. And uh, one of the things that wasn't helpful, I, I kind of chuckle about this now, but You're standing next to the coffin of your son and and three different parents came up and said, oh, you'll never get over this. Well, that wasn't helpful. In fact, it was very discouraging. But what I found is that time does heal. Um, Initially, our brains go into shock. And um, I've read from psychiatrists that it's actually a natural function that our brains go numb intentionally to help us get through uh, a period, um, uh, a period that is raw and you will have raw days, no sleep, no concentration, no appetite. And those are very normal things. And there's a whole cycle, um, the, the grief cycle where you are um, in denial initially, that this thing couldn't have happened. It didn't happen. And then um, you will go through um, stages of shock, uh, pain, guilt. A lot of people go through a guilt phase um, and then bargaining with God. Please don't let this happen, or this can't be happening, or." and we bargain, which eventually leads to anger. Um, Part of accepting um, is that you're also pushing through the unfairness of something or you couldn't have taken him or her and um, the blame thing and going into depression. um, And then when reconstruction happens it's really when you have mentally recognized this happened and i have to take stock of this it is real and i have to reframe how i'm going to move forward and interestingly all of these phases that i've talked about are mental states mental states sure and yet climbing out of it i believe is not only a mental exercise but it also has to be an exercise of action so that when you realize i want to be happy i can i can i can conceive of myself being a whole person someday a happy person a person who laughs and and has big things better things ahead once you get to that point I believe you start accepting, uh, first of all, the situation, but you also accept that there is hope. And I believe that when there is hope anywhere, that that little glimmer, and it doesn't even have to be a huge one, but just a ray of hope is something that can help us then start to make daily choices. And And in a little bit, I'll go into some of the ones that help me. but. It's choices of acts that you have to do, and they're not just mental, many of them are physical things that you have to get out and and start a practice that pushes you towards wellness.
0: Did you find yourself um, did you ever find yourself in the midst of this uh, loss and grief just kind of Pardon my French, but going fuck this. I can't do it anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. This is too hard. This is too much. And I just can't do it.
1: Certainly, you'll maybe have those thoughts. I never did. um, Particularly, I tried not to let it spiral down to that point. And I believe there are things you can do to um, affect that so that it does not but I look at some loved ones who uh, one curled up in a ball for six months and laid on a floor in a basement apartment and wept in darkness. And meanwhile, some of us had to get up every day and go back to work. We had to be productive. Um, you didn't have time off uh, to sit and wallow in it. And I. It, I hope some of your listeners will forgive me for using that word, but, um, for me, I was not going to wallow in grief. I definitely hurt. I had off hours moments of tears, um, some really hard ones. And yeah, those are pretty personal and private.
0: Yeah. I, I think to your point, I think, um, well, people are going to be on different levels, right. As they go through this journey of dealing with grief and loss and how that pertains to their mental health. Um, and, you know, I think there's, there's people who are going to grieve in different ways, getting back to work or curling up forever on a couch or whatever. Right. Um, but to your point um, I think it's, what do you do then like after the fact, what do you do now? yes feel those feelings and grieve sure and if you need to take a day right after where you are you can't move on you're stuck on the couch or however it is that you're feeling those feelings great but but then what right and and that's kind of like the continuation of that journey your journey can't end when the life of a loved one ends
1: yes and i have um over the last many years uh been on or off different websites of people who are grieving chat rooms and some of the courage and the determination of people who've recently lost loved ones i am in awe of um and then there's some who have been stuck in the same cycle for a decade and they just they need the permission of their loved one for example to just laugh or to want to date again or um to maybe put that loved one's clothing out for the goodwill and start a fresh life realizing that the way you memorialize a loved one i believe is in how you conduct your life going onward and 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 your memory of them, and the, the acts you do in goodness, in kindness, in even humor, is something that I think you do and can do to honor your loved one. And I believe all of those are actions of uh, their choices towards mental health, mental wellness, emotional wellness. And they're not easy when you're in the middle of the raw, hard, times and you have to give yourself self-compassion you know Um, i finally got to a point where looking back on some of the highly dramatic moments i can now chuckle about that they were a little bit uh, drama filled you know but they were real at the time they were very real and you have to just look at them and say okay that was all part of the journey and life is better now and I've gained from it. I've learned from it. But it wasn't easy
0: at the time. Today's podcast is brought to you by Erklunds and Olson, the auctioneers who can do it all. Whether you're looking to sell something, need an appraisal, or just interested in purchasing some treasures in the weekly online auctions, Erklunds and Olsen are the auctioneers for you. With over 50 years of experience in the auction industry, Erklins & Olsen have gained a reputation as leaders in live auctions and, in today's world, masters in online auctions. Visit www.salesandauction.com today to learn more about the upcoming events. Okay, Doug, you said something interesting to me um, this evening while we were eating dinner before we started recording. You had mentioned that when it comes to grief and loss and how that affects your mental health that it's almost comparable to, um, like an Alcoholics Anonymous type mindset where, where if you go to AA, anyone who's who's been there or is familiar with it, you know, the very first thing you have to do is admit that you're an alcoholic, admit yeah. that this alcohol has control over your life. Um, and that's step one, right? Before you really move anywhere else with a program like AA, you would compare grief and loss and, and how that pertains to your mental health to that, meaning you've got to at some point acknowledge, this is real, this happened, I lost this person, and now having said that out loud and admitted that, now I can move forward on my journey and keep moving and moving.
1: Yeah, I was reading a paper, uh, and forgive me, I I don't know the acronym of uh, the Professional Association of Psychiatrists, but I was reading a paper on treatment of grief and the psychiatrist was talking about no true change comes with a patient until the patient accepts that this happened. And like with AA, I mean, I'm sitting here right now looking at the 12 steps of aa and it is admitting yeah i have a problem or accepting that this thing is real it happened and um uh, in aa they talk about believing that there is a power higher than yourself um greater than yourself that can restore you to sanity and i would submit that many people going through grief i mean even think of a hard breakup uh with a love Uh, sometimes you think you're going to lose your mind that you literally are insane sure and many losses are that way and um you're encouraged uh for example to take a moral inventory of yourself And then based on that, move forward. And then, of course, um, AA has other steps relating to, uh, you know, when you have remorse, how you uh, repay people that maybe you've grieved or wronged. Grief and loss aren't so much about that. But I would submit that um, admitting the thing that happened, uh, this devastating thing, and then realizing there are sources and resources out there that can help me.
0: Sure. And and I, I just loved that comparison because anything you do, whether it's AA or dealing with grief and loss or even acknowledging that you actually have some mental health concerns, that you that you have depression or anxiety, even before dealing with those things, nothing before admission of those admitting that those things are real is worth anything because you can't work on anything if you haven't truly admitted that it's there right
1: yeah i sometimes when i get on these chat room sites um people have lost a loved one for five years or more and they're still saying i can't believe he's gone it was his birthday yesterday and i just can't accept this and while I understand, absolutely understand um, the loss of a dear companion, a soulmate, um, there does come a time when you have to say, I deserve happiness. I believe that a loving creator wants me to be happy and that he has better things ahead for me. And I believe until you get to that point, it's it's about accepting what you deserve
0: and and i think too doug what people are what scares people in saying i believe you know that this happened and i need to move on is they are afraid they will forget and if they stop saying every day that you know this is the day that so-and-so did this and now it's been five years and if they stop doing that I think a lot of people live with a real fear that they're going to forget that person that 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 person's going to be less in their minds if they don't acknowledge all these things and if they if they admit that it's real and then they move forward I think they live with a real fear that that they will forget that person. What, what do you say to that, though?
1: Well, that is real. And oddly, that was one of the first reactions I had after my first son died. He's going to be forgotten. And now I can look back on all of this and say, you know what? All of us, after a 100 years, after we're gone, we likely will be forgotten but that's okay, that's part of life. And, but in the here and now, um, it does, if you move on, it does not mean that you have forgotten your loved one. In fact, uh, my family recently, uh, uh, I was really tickled. We, my kids wanted to go down, spread out blankets on the graves of their brothers and their mom on a Sunday afternoon, took a big picnic dinner, lots of little grandkids running around noise, a lot of activity, but we sat and with those little kids told the funniest stories about the loved ones that were buried there. And on my way home that evening, I was rounding the corner on my street and I thought, do you know what? A miracle just happened tonight. Eight years later, we're no longer grieving in the sense that you think of grief. Our grief now is that we're trying to honor the loved one with really fun, good memories and stories and so on. But that does take some time, you know, to get sure. to that point.
0: Sure. Sure. Um, I, I, the last couple of times that we've seen each other and talked, I've referenced this Japanese art form, kintsugi that i'm kind of obsessed with right now um it's on my mind all the time i think about it all the time i purchased some bowls that that um reflect this art form of kintsugi um and if you don't know what it is it's, it's amazing and i showed you my bowl tonight that i have there doug um but it's this it's this art form that takes things that are broken a bowl for example that has pieces that are chipped off and broken and what it does is, it basically puts those back onto the bowl and makes makes the bowl whole again. But where the cracks are, where the pieces had broken off, um, you use you mend those areas basically. Um, and I'm just reading. It, there's lots of things you can you can do to mend it. We use like a lacquer that's got like powdered gold or silver or platinum or something along those lines right that that mends these cracks and then you you end with this bowl or cup or whatever that looks broken you can tell it's been broken but the the pieces have been put back together and and the bowl as a whole now is even more beautiful than had it not gone through that
1: because of the the cracks, the character, right. the it's obvious um, that this thing has been through life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what makes it that much more beautiful. And you that's what makes you look at it and go, wow, this is something that can tell a story that that can share some experience that's been through some stuff. And now it's been it, no one quit on it. It was broken. It was a broken bowl. No one threw it away in the garbage and said, this bowl's useless now. It's, it's something that was broken, could have been thrown away and is now made gorgeous. And you learn from that. And, and in our lives, those are the things that we go through that make us at one point, a beautiful functioning full vessel vessel that that has been through some stuff.
1: Yeah, and um, interestingly, I believe each one of us came to this Earth life with an individual contract. And my contract may be very different from yours in terms of what I'm supposed to do, accomplish, learn, uh, experience. And my vessel may end up looking different than yours. But nonetheless, what, what was that contract that we came here for, you know? Sure. And in my mind, religion aside, it is a spiritual journey. And I believe no meaningful growth in life can happen that, that nothing good in life lasts unless it has gone through that crucible. Absolutely that crushing, that refining in a way. And again, I'm not talking religion, but it is and should be a very spiritual uh, journey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and what what um, one person experiences could differ greatly from the next person. Yes. But at the end of the day, they're both a kintsugi art piece, right? they're both put back together stronger and more beautiful um but just like with that art form you have to take those steps right you have to gather those pieces you have to use that lacquer medium whatever it is to put them back together to get that final product our lives are the same right our mental health is the same and how we deal with grief and loss and how that um, impacts our mental health is the same we you don't just wake up to a full, beautiful bowl. You have to do things. Yes. You have to. You have to take steps to get there. Um, you, Doug. You, obviously, over a decade with that much loss and and um, heartache to deal with, had to take steps to become this end bowl. You know that's been beautified and everything that you are and are going to continue to become. But, but there's techniques, there's steps you have to take. What what are they? What did you do to get yourself through that?
1: I have, um, gosh, I've probably got a list of 40 things. And I just wanted at a high level um, to talk about with grief that I realized um, I, I used to hear that grief will always be with you and i fought that and fought it and i just thought grief is a process and it's a process you move through and then you're done it's not grief will always be a companion just like um you know you hear that with an alcoholic you will always be an alcoholic but you are now a new person and a new version of you and with grief, I I now accept that it's always going to be your little buddy walking along with you, and some days you're going to hurt, and other days you're going to be just fine, and you just pat that little bugger on the head, and you just say, "Not today, nope, you're not taking me over today." Sure, you know, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I I've uh, visited some AA meetings, and there's been people who. Are there and on the same day they receive a 30 years sober pen or coin, right? They will stand up and say, Hi, I'm so and so and I'm an alcoholic. Not I was an alcoholic, not I used to be an alcoholic. They admit 30 years sober, I am an alcoholic. Um and to your point, I think that's the same with grief, right? It's it's something that is you now. Doug Smith is the heartache of losing two sons and, and a wife. Um, but like you said, it's just something that accompanies you now. Yeah. But it but it, it but it doesn't define you now.
1: It doesn't define you and it also doesn't break your heart every day. And time helps with that. I found that initially because I had living children and grandkids that I felt I always had to be strong and you couldn't let down very often. And I remember an experience that I'll tell real briefly, one evening I had to winter storm, and I had to run over to Home Depot to uh, get some things for my place. And um, And
0: when you walked in, were they like, this guy doesn't belong in Home
1: Depot? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's my favorite (laughs) store. But I, it was Christmas time. And I had I, I bought several of these fake big silk red poinsettias to put on the graves of my loved ones. And it just so happened, pulling out in this almost blizzard conditions, I'm at the stoplight and across the street was the entrance to the cemetery. And I thought, ah oh, heck, I'm just going to go over and put these uh, poinsettias in the ground and and so on. And I'm driving through the dark in the cemetery, the snow, and I get to the graves and I get out and I pulled these wires out of these pots with these flowers and I went to start sticking them in. And this was about two years after my first death. My long, tall, lanky 27 year old boy, six foot seven, lying six feet down under this frozen ground in winter and it's dark. And I could not push these wires into the frozen ground. And I don't know why at that very moment I felt defeated, but it, it was more envisioning him lying in this frozen earth. And I remember falling over, just tumbling down, lying in the snow, bawling my eyes out. I went over and leaned against a pine tree in the dark and cried and cried, got in my car, drove 15 minutes home sobbing, and living with that hard raw emotion and the minute i walked in the door and my counselor i that's one thing that i highly advocate is in any kind of mental emotional uh, problem or challenge having a good counselor uh, a third party is vital but this counselor had just told me you have got to grieve you've got to sit and dwell with some of this stuff when it hits and i just thought you can keep putting it off you know but that night when i walked in the house after having dwelt with it for a bit i was fine and i never had another breakdown like that but it's it's like something that you've got to just push out it's something you've got to It's part of admitting it, it is part of feeling it. And again, with losses of all kinds, I think we need to do that. Um, I found that early on, um, understanding what grace was from God, it is a gift. And that there are many tender mercies that come to us. Um, Sometimes we don't recognize them till after. But they are out there all the time and are given generously to us to help us. Uh, that we do have a loving creator. Talking with trusted friends, um, having a daily gratitude practice, you know, that was something that was hugely helpful instead of dwelling on what you didn't have.
0: What is your daily gratitude practice?
1: Well, I generally lay in bed about. When i wake up 5 or five thirty, and i'll lay there and a couple of things that have been very helpful to me one is lying there counting your blessings and secondly it's asking who today do i need to um, be mindful of who would it help today to impact their life or to lift or help or you know comfort and it's really crazy sometimes the voices, if you'll listen, um, the people that you're drawn to. And sometimes it's because they have something for you. Not that you, you know, I, sure. I'm i huge on this thing that often the giver is actually the
0: taker. Yeah, in life, for sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, and I did eventually learn, just be kind to yourself. Good heavens. None of us have rehearsed. Right. this thing called life you know <laughs> and let alone hard losses you haven't rehearsed them
0: do you know it's funny that you say that i i look back over my life and some of the more angrier moments i've had in life are over stuff that i i shouldn't be mad about because it's not something i do that i failed at does that make sense Uh i mean i will tell you a quick story i went on a mission for the lds church and um got into playing tennis with some other missionaries up there in that area and uh it didn't take long uh, and i'd never played tennis before ever in my life but a few tennis matches into it and i'm getting my ass kicked by these guys i'm all of a sudden furious throwing a racket, shattering a racket, <laughs> punching fences and all that. And, and now as I've gotten older and, and I've looked back at different things like that, it's, it's that idea of like, why the hell am I so upset about something that I have no business knowing how to do? It's, I'm new to that. Yeah. And in many ways, these experiences in life, like you said, we're new to that. We haven't had a, a rehearsal on this. We haven't practiced this is our one and only run. And so it's okay. We're going to slip. We're going to make those mistakes. We're not expected to know how to deal with grief and loss perfectly and know how to deal with our mental health perfectly without any intervention or help from anyone else. And and that's so dangerous to, to start thinking like that.
1: I found, and I don't know why, but early on, I adopted this idea that there's purpose in everything in life things that happen to us there are reasons there are purposes and some would argue don't you dare tell me that my loved one was taken and that was part of a purpose and i'm not saying that but i also believe that in this life we may not understand the purposes for everything and it may not come until another existence. And you have to get to a point where you're okay with that. It's like, okay, um, what did this cause me then to be? It caused me to walk in humility, wonder, um, a, a belief that someday I probably will understand the purposes of these things. Right. And so many losses, you know, we don't understand when they happen. Right. Um, I have found that uh, so many people want to cycle in victimhood, and after I lost uh, my son, my wife, my home, all of a sudden I was living alone, empty in a quiet apartment, and um, I decided early on that this deafening quiet, I was going to, one of the the action things that I had to do was have feet under my dinner table regularly. And it didn't matter who those feet were, um, all kinds of friends, couples, family. Um, and now regularly, I do it about two times a week. And that has been huge in terms of having good conversation. And instead of sitting saying, nobody invites me, nobody thinks of me, nobody, you know, it's that half empty, half full uh, uh, analogy. And I have found that if you're proactive with little techniques like that, it can also contribute to better emotional, mental well-being.
0: Sure. Well, as someone whose feet have have been under the dinner table there at your house um, a few times, I thank you for that goal that you had, because that's oftentimes helped me um during moments where i needed somewhere to put my feet under a table well i Um, was happy you were there so thank you okay i want to talk um about your art moving on a little bit you are you are one hell of an artist and and um that's something i've learned more recently i think but you you do some amazing work with your art you've got a a whole thing Dougsmithstudio.com right is your website and you have a have a whole thing with your art and when I'm at your house and when I talk to you about art and you describe art I can tell that that is something that has played a major role in your mental health um, and in how you process and and handle things tell me more about that.
1: Um, It's interesting you'd bring that up, Kyle, because that was one of the life-saving things Um, in those wee hours of the morning when you're having questions about existence and things you've been taught, you know, through your faith. uh, And then all of a sudden you're questioning, is this real? Uh, Do I really believe this? And so on. Um, I had become enamored with a certain art form called encaustic, and it's a very old art form, but it uses beeswax, resin, and fire. You paint with fire. And uh, Danny, my dear, great friend, business partner, all of that, we took a workshop shortly after a lot of this calamity had happened and uh, in encaustic, and I just caught on fire Uh, pun intended, with this new art form. Maybe because you
0: actually use fire. You
1: use fire to paint. Right. And to fuse your paintings. And um, set up a studio uh, in my place. And often at 1 o'clock in the morning when you were just tormented with grief ricocheting around in your, your head, I would go down in the studio and work and work and work until I was so exhausted I couldn't sleep. And uh, one humorous thing I look back on now was a holiday period where I was alone. I was down in the studio working. I was super, it was a hard time of year. And I'm bawling while I'm doing my art. Yeah. <laughs> and tears literally <laughs> fell into the into art. Into the because, piece. And I look back on that now and I, you have to laugh. It's just like, <laughs> oh, good grief, the drama. But um, picking up something like that that challenged you mentally, creatively. It was good therapy. And now it has actually turned into a lucrative, wonderful, expressive um, thing Yeah, that's been life-saving.
0: Awesome. That's so amazing. It's Like I said, it's something you can tell you're passionate about and has played a major role for you in healing and um, continuing on in this, this kind of a crazy journey that we are all on together, right? Um, Well, Doug, thank you so much for coming by tonight. It was amazing to talk to you as always. Um, uh, I've said this before to you, I say it again, you and Danny are some of the very few people in my life who reached out a hand and saved me during some very, very dark and troubling times. So I love you, my friend, and am so glad that you are part of this. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy your days. Uh, be good. Be happy. Hold a door for somebody today. We love you.